I'm Melissa. And I'm Jesse. And this, this is, is the Reimagined Success, Success Podcast. Podcast. We're a husband and wife team who want to make a difference. Keeping up with the Joneses can be exhausting, and we can often lose sight of what we are accomplishing. We're here to reimagine success and to celebrate the steps it takes us to get there. Big or small, we want to showcase success stories that will inspire, motivate, and help propel you towards greatness in your own life. So come reimagine success with us and let's let's go go on on this this journey journey together. This week's episode of Reimagine Success is brought to you by Taking Control, a brand new album by me, Jesse Biondi. Taking Control is now available everywhere that music can be streamed. With 10 fresh tracks for you to enjoy, Taking Control is an album about not settling for what this world has to offer, but rather taking control of your life, your relationships, your situations, and your feelings. It's time to cut the strings and take control, so stream now everywhere that music can be heard. Welcome back to another Thursday edition of Reimagine Success. Hope everybody's had an extremely successful week so far. I know that we have, and it's just, you know, a great year so far. 2022 is shaping out to be amazing. Oh, yes. And this past weekend was my birthday, and I was able to celebrate it on a red carpet um, with some basketball players, some professional athletes. Um, It was a lot of fun and went to a fancy restaurant. So Jesse and I just lived it up this weekend. Yes. So, you know, success comes in many forms and having a good time in life. That's another form of success. So we're celebrating that this week. And birthdays, of course, are Another successful year lived and another 365 to go. Yep, that's what we say. Your birthday is almost like your happy anniversary. You have a 365 fresh start to make a difference, make it matter, and do something amazing. (laughs) This week on the podcast, we've got a great guest. Uh, Her name is Mona Megahead, and she's an HR professional with over 10 years of experience in the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, supporting a gamut of HR goals while spearheading organizational initiatives in HR transformation, organizational training, and leadership development. Mona moved into the HR space after starting her career as an elementary school educator, pivoting her focus on the development of organizations through robust employee engagement initiatives with an interest in business management to focus on human capital and the investment of people. Mona enjoys supporting organizational goals with a purpose and intention to contribute to the well-being of people, the environment, and the development of knowledge through science and exploration. Originally born and raised in Washington, D.C., Mona currently resides in Baltimore City with her partner and two six-year-old fur babies. Mona, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you. Welcome. Thank you for having me, and a belated birthday to you. Also, uh, very awesome. I hope you're continuing to celebrate this week. Thank you so much, and and it's so cute because we actually saw one of your fur babies, um, you know, through, <laughs> our, through our Zoom link. So it's it's really awesome to have you on the show, and we're so excited to dive in, learn more about you, and for you to share all of your knowledge and wisdom and insights to our audience. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. So Mona, why don't you go ahead and tell people your story, kind of who you are, what you do and what you're, you know, what you're passionate about. Sure, sure. Um, So really, I'm an HR professional, like you said, I've been in um, the space for a little over 10 years. um, And I really got into the space because 
I was working with preschoolers, I was working with um, school-aged children, and I was making ends meet in the evenings by running nightclubs after bartending, um, and I got into people operations. I really started um, diving into business operations, and I started to uh, focus on people development, and uh, I decided that, um, you know, having studied art and, and, and working with kids wasn't really the right path for me. And so I went back to school for um, business management and they then explored HR. And so I just focused on those spaces um, and kind of dove in. I, 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 um, I've done a lot of different roles. I've, I've helped companies kind of um, map out employee engagement strategies, revamp their organizational structures. Um, and I've, I've done it in a lot of different spaces. So like you said, nonprofits, for-profits, um, and I'm recently leaving uh, the aerospace and defense industry. So that's, mm -hmm. um, that's where I am career-wise at this point. Yeah, that sounds amazing though. Yeah, I also uh, was in the educational field mm -hmm. and decided to leave. So I wanna unpack that a little bit because there's a lot to talk about there. Um, I was a middle school music teacher. I did orchestra and chorus for six years, and uh, it was just a year ago that I stopped teaching. And so will you talk a little bit about uh, why you left the education field and decided to go into HR? Sure. Um, you know, like I said, I, I studied fine arts, and uh, I didn't really know that I was going to work with kids. It kind of just, kind of just happened, um, and I was doing a lot of different programs and um, different types of education plans that focused on art. And what I started to see in the industry was that people were burnt out. I felt mm -hmm. like, I thought I would meet like really passionate people. I thought I would meet people that were um, kind of go-getters and, and really excited about their work. And, and what I found was there was a lot of people that didn't even really like kids yep. and they were working in the space. They, they seemed like they just weren't encouraged to be creative. And, and I felt like it just wasn't the right space for me. Um, you know, not only was it really hard to make ends meet, I just felt like it, it wasn't, it wasn't inc like encouraging me and, and exciting me the way I thought it would. So mm -hmm. um, because I was working at night and focusing on business management, I said, you know, I think I want to do this full time. And so I decided to go back to school to get that foundation and to get that knowledge um, so that I could do more in this space. And, and, and that's why I had to leave the education field. It was just, it was just not, um, it was not exciting me. Right. There was I, no room for growth as well. Yeah, sure. I, I completely understand that. For a while, I really enjoyed it, um, but it was more the connecting with the individual kids and actually making a difference in their lives. But the the teaching profession in general has become such uh, – it's, it's a hard place to work because mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of support. You mm -hmm. And like you said, a lot of the teachers that are surrounding you just seem miserable with what they're doing. And I don't know how they're making any impact on any kids' lives right. uh, because they, they can't seem to – have a, a reason to get up and come to work in the morning for themselves, never mind to inspire and engage our next generation. So it, it's really sad because a lot of our teachers are leaving that space and ones that are excited about, you know, getting involved with kids. Uh, but I can't blame them one bit because I did the exact same thing. 
Yeah, I, I, I see that and I understand that. And I stay, I stay close to the industry. My partner um, has been um, a teacher and guidance counselor for DC public schools for over 26 years. And he's just, um, you know, he's, he's full of stories of, of how those experiences can range from person to person. Mm-hmm. And I can see it even in him, um, especially after COVID, just like the, yeah. the support that was lacking. Um, and just the, the support that I think he doesn't get and his yeah. colleagues don't get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I stayed for about a year after COVID started. We went virtual for the last half of that year, and I stayed one more year, and it just crushed my soul. And it was heartbreaking because you love the people, you know, you love the kids, and then you just – it turns to what it's turned to, and it's super sad. Yeah. I also feel like that in in education – um, the, the teachers are the ones who create doctors, create lawyers. They're the ones who, you know, raise these children up pretty much. Like you're not only a teacher, but you're also a babysitter. You're a mentor. You know, teachers do all of these things in order to inspire these kids. And if teachers are not getting appreciated uh, monetarily, uh, you know, just respect, support, everything, then they're not going to give turn around and give that to the kids and therefore, the kids are going to grow up, you know, not giving it to their, uh, you know, their staff or wherever they go into their workplace. So it's just like this vicious cycle that needs to, you know, stop at education, I feel like. I feel like if teachers got paid more, got treated with respect, um, you know, got what they deserved, then we could completely turn everything around. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've made some really... Um powerful points there because I think that support and, and being in the HR field, I think that's, that's key, right? Is when you don't support the people who are executing, they're not going to be able to execute at their best. And I think that um, it's detrimental in education because it impacts our society in some really huge ways. You see it in the way people interact with others. Um, you see it in the way people are kind of shorted on their capabilities when they go into higher education. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, even the way they choose to go to higher education or not to go to higher education. I think like it's a system that's so important in our society and I don't think we're valuing it as it should be. Right. Yes. I agree with you a thousand percent. We, Mm -hmm. Jesse and I have had so many conversations, so many about the education because he, you know, of course he's a teacher. So we've had so many conversations about this particular thing and it just, ah, I just want to change everything, but it's. Mm. The system's (laughs) just so broken. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Burn it down and start over. (laughs) 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 I think HR is a good a good transition though out of that because mm-hmm. you you find as a teacher how frustrated you are as an employee and as an HR person you kind of deal with other people's frustrations and trying to make them feel better about their job and mm-hmm. so you could kind of take your experience of being frustrated and work on a way to help other people not feel that way uh, do you find that to be the case for you yeah I mean I think I took a lot of um, really great foundational knowledge from from working with kids and and working in educational facilities because I think that when you go into HR people have this perception that HR is like a person who talks to you about your benefits and a person who Mm -hmm. uh, handles your paycheck and and that may be part of what somebody does in HR Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you know in my first 
role within HR, I had learned to do payroll, learned to do benefits, manage benefits, um, you know, learning how to administer them, learning how to uh, speak to people about them, educate them on them. Uh, but that's not even a fraction of what you begin to dive into if you're doing a role like mine, which is strategic partnership and learning how to support organizational development. And all those things can come from um, foundations like education and working with children or working in a space where you have to create a structure in a classroom to help transfer knowledge um, or help people, children in that case, grow to their fullest potential. And so I think that what helped me coming from the industry I was coming from is that I was able to sort of take in uh, skill sets like learning how to talk to people, um, learning how to give them encouragement and using positive reinforcement to help them achieve goals. Mm -hmm. um, transferring knowledge in a way that works differently for different types of learners. Uh, and that's an important thing as well, because I think in the workspace, there's this perception that there's, you know, there's a process, there's a machine, it needs to work a certain way. And that's well and good, but I mean, talent comes in different shapes, different sizes, different forms, they learn differently. Um, and, and you have to, you know, as a company, uh, be able to leverage talent where they can understand you, where they can um, use their skill sets to their fullest capacity. And I think um, working in education helped me with that. It, it helped me come into a space and learn like, you know, saying no is not the most constructive way to, to help someone uh, look at alternatives on how to achieve something or, or how mm -hmm. to find um, a solution to a problem. Uh, you know, a no should come with, how about we try this way? Or um, this might not work, but what about this? Uh, and I think that's really the role of HR is, is to, to help support those organizational goals and help people find their way. Right. Now, I know that HR has changed a lot since COVID. Um, I have talked to so many employees who are leaving their jobs and finding other jobs that best suit them and their needs and their life. And it may not be, you know, the highest compensation or salaries. Um, they're going with the best benefits and the best benefit packages that, that suit their needs. A, a really great work-to-life balance. I think if anything, COVID brought that to us, right, that we need to focus on what's really important in life. Um, what kind of changes have you seen in HR since you know, 2020 and, and what have you implemented that is the strongest? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that happened because of COVID is, is um, employee mobility, right? And so I'll speak on that and then um, strategies on employee engagement. So first, I mean, the, the, the pandemic caused us to have to work differently. And when I say that, it, it, it caused us to have to go through these periods of um, separation. So we couldn't have people in the workspace. Um, remote work was kind of like the only option because we couldn't have people in spaces uh, that didn't accommodate uh, the six feet or even 10 feet or the ventilation that was needed in order to protect them. Mm -hmm. And there became uh, this need to figure out, you know, how can we best evolve in a virtual world? Um, and one of the things that I was uh, pretty instrumental in, in, in roles that I was, I was participating in is offering people 
remote capabilities, hybrid capabilities that worked based on their job um, and based on the company's needs, right? So really evaluating what the company needed, uh, what the organization's goals were and how they could achieve them with people globally or nationally um, and how collaboration had to change when people weren't in front of one another. Mm -hmm. um, I think the perception sometimes when you're managing people is that you need to see everything they're doing. Uh, you need to, to actually visually observe uh, the way they conduct and complete tasks. And I think the key there was to teach managers and offer managers different strategies for engaging with their employees and engaging with their teams in order to help them influence those teammates in doing their work in their own space mm -hmm. um, and also having communication that that worked for both parties right like you know what does it look like to collaborate together and and how can i uh still engage with you even though we're not seeing each other face to face how many times a day what does that look like um you know how to conduct virtual meetings constructively and how to use that space the best um, and so there were different strategies that we worked with uh, internally to make sure that 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 teammates had uh, a new toolkit for virtual working. Um, and and one of the things that I was focused on specifically in my last role um, was training hiring managers to attract talent differently. Um, you know, as an HR manager in my last role, I was really focused on talent acquisition, and that was a super challenging piece of this pandemic because um, you know it's now an employee's market yeah. people now know that they can get jobs virtually and they can work differently and and whereas before you're you're bending over backwards to relocate for a new job um, we were reaching out to people and trying to get talent to take roles that they might not necessarily want because they didn't want to be on site Mm -hmm. um, some of the roles might have required that they they might not have wanted to relocate. They may not have to relocate because um, there's no reason to when you can work virtually. So I think teaching hiring managers and training hiring managers on the best way to conduct interviews and search for talent and and solicit new talent um, was something that I was really uh, charged with in my last role. Um, and training those hiring managers how to to build talent pools and how to keep pipelines in order to fill roles when people were um you know participating in the great resignation yeah or when contracts were changing yeah it's i well i know i'm spoiled now working from home mm -hmm. uh why would i want to commute 30 40 an hour an hour you know, in atlanta in with a, atlanta traffic <laughs> yeah to get to a job when i can literally do it in my pajamas at home like it makes no sense and and the fact that you know, while COVID was going on, uh, I had actually just moved to Atlanta at the beginning of COVID and the roads were clear, the traffic was great. When it was in its height, obviously it's still going on. Um, but now people have gone back to work and the traffic's back up and the, you know, pollution's back up. Smog and, is out there again. And it's just, 
it makes no sense to me that we're continuing to keep with this old model, this old way of thinking. So many businesses just went right back to the ways that never worked to begin with and are still trying to force that instead of adapting, evolving, and looking at a new way to move forward in business and in life and give people the dignity to have a little bit more freedom in their lives instead of spending the best moments of their lives in a cubicle behind a desk and making zero difference. Yeah. And also I, I was reading so many articles during that time too, where the pollution was just gone. You know, it, people, it, the smog was gone. Even in LA, I've never seen LA without smog. I don't know how that would look. <laughs> um, but every time you drive over, there's just a mountain full of smog where it gets stuck <laughs> on, on the mountains. And, you know, it was just all of the oceans cleared up and the smog went away just from a couple a month or a couple of weeks, however long it was that we were completely, completely shut down. And I feel like if we did that more often and said, Hey, you know what, this is, this is going to be an earth week. We're going to just shut everything down, let earth regenerate and reproduce and it'll be great. Yeah. I think that those kind of things are needed, not just for us, but for our, our planet. Yeah. Yeah. No, very valid, very valid points. I think that, um, the, the challenge is, is that I think some industries weren't even considering it. And I mean, you know, I was working for uh, a defense contractor. And so our, our clients or our customers rather were the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And one of the challenges that is presented in roles where you're working in secured facilities is that you can't necessarily access your work if you're not on, on site. Mm. Um, so that was a battle that I had a lot with some of my hiring managers where I was like, you know, you want to get this talent to come and this is this one person who can, <laughs> who can do this job as a radiation engineer for the <laughs> department of defense. But listen, mm -hmm. right. this person doesn't care that you want them there. They live here mm -hmm. and this is where your role is. And, and you're not offering any incentive for them to come to this new city or to, come to this role when other roles are being offered to them that allow them to work remotely or from the comfort of their home or from a comfort of a, of a location that's closer to their family. And, and that was like a super, super big hump in the road um, in my role in HR because the, the government customer wasn't really within my organization. There's some that, someone that we're serving and, and, and having to convince them um, to, to be more flexible and to understand that the world has changed. Um, that was the, the biggest challenge for me because I, I had to work with those hiring managers to kind of understand like, it, it's not as easy to just pull someone from their job and throw them money and say, here, we'll give you this money if you take this job and, and, and come and move here or work in this site. There's, there's different things that are important to people now. Mm -hmm. and, and COVID changed things for a lot of people. Yes, it yeah. sure did. Time, I feel like time has become so much more valuable yes. to people than money could ever be. Yeah, time, family, you know, what the actual core of what is important. Yeah. 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 Humanity really came back a little bit during COVID, I believe. Yeah. Uh, as much as I feel like it, it almost seems like, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but it almost seems like they're trying to take away our humanity through all of this and keep us separated. I feel like it lit a fire in most people to be more together and to try to have more meaningful relationships through mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Oh, I would certainly agree. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, what sacrifices have you made in your profession while spearheading the initiatives of change? Like, I'm sure that that takes a lot of effort. Uh, and, you know, you could probably just have sat back and just done your job. But you said, no, I, I think that this needs to be different. Uh, so you, you stepped up and you decided to make change in your organizations. What, what sacrifices did that cause for you? And what did that look like? Sure. I mean, I think we go back to, you know, what you said about humanity and how this time has kind of changed. And when I think about sacrifices, I, I think really heavily on what my work in the past three years has, has done for me or, 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 you know, how it's impacted me. And I think my mental health is something that I've sacrificed in a big way um, mm -hmm. during this time, because when you are working from home, um, which I was doing, and when you are working long hours, I think sometimes you forget when it's time to get up and go to the gym, get mm -hmm. up and yeah. go for a yeah. walk, get up and play with your cat because uh, <laughs> he's going to toss everything off your desk until you do. <laughs> um, or, you know, sometimes my partner. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes my partner would come home. I mean, he got off work a little bit earlier than I, and he had to um, go back in person into the school in February of last year. But he would be he would be home, um, you know, after after his work day, and 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 I was still working, you know, still working, um, still going through meetings, still having conversations with people, putting out fires, um, and I think you know, when your work is in your home and you're spearheading different initiatives from home, there's a hard, um, it's a hard thing to separate those spaces, you mm -hmm. know, saying, okay, this is where my work stops and this is where my personal life begins. Um, you know, my boss would text me or there would be conversations that carried on into the evening with, with colleagues. And um, I think overall that can be unhealthy. I, I think that's something that um, people are sacrificing all over the country, all over the world at this point. And, and that kind of sacrifice, I think, though, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be engaged in your work and it's awesome to be, you know, all in, um, you burn out eventually mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. uh, it's not sustainable. It isn't. And you have to have a work-life balance, which it, I, I feel like that that's what we're all striving for. At the end of the day, you're looking for a work-life balance. Now, since you and most people out there right now are remote, do you find it helpful to separate your spaces, have your office space, and maybe, you know, at a certain time you're done, close the laptop and have to just walk away and everything will be there tomorrow. Do you find that something like that could be helpful um, for all of those people out there that are, that are trying to separate their spaces of, of home and work? Sure. I think, you know, I, I went into it um, trying that. So I have a designated space um, in, in one of my rooms in the house. So there is a, a, a designated space with a desk, with a couch. So if I want to like switch to sitting on the couch and on my laptop, I can do that. But that space, that room mm -hmm. is dedicated um, to the office. But then um, I think I got kind of claustrophobic in that. And I started expanding. I would sit on my kitchen table. I would sit on my couch in the living room. I would go out to um, coffee shops if I didn't have, you know, content, a content sensitive meetings that I was having during those days. And um, 
I think it, I think it has to do with time. I think it's, I, I think space is not necessarily, um, something that works for everybody because of the way their home dynamic might be. Maybe they have kids, maybe you, um, don't have the space to, mm -hmm. to be able to a lot just to, um, an office. And then also maybe you don't want to say like, you know, this is precious space in my home and I want to dedicate it to work. Um, <laughs> I think what you have to do is be intentional about mm -hmm. your schedule and be intentional about, uh, what works for you. You know, if you need to, um, have family time or self care in the morning before you start work, you know, have a, a, a time and a place for that and, and dedicate to that. Um, if you need to, to, you know, be attentive to kids and family and the partner um, after a certain hour, do that, right? So I think it's not so much a, a, about physical space. I think it's more about um, making that space mentally and saying, this is what I'm going to do and this is when I'm going to do it and, and, and following through with that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, time management is a huge thing in not only, you know, your daily life of your work, but your daily life as a whole. I know we have our goals for 2022. We have our monthly goals. We have our weekly goals and mm -hmm. we try to hit those every single week of what, you know, and, and daily goals. And, and I think those are such key factors to life is set up your, your time for success. Yep. And you have to plan it accordingly. So like we will, we'll, we'll designate certain nights out of the week. We don't do it every night because we don't want to get burned out, but we'll mm -hmm. say, okay, on these nights this week after work, we're going to go into our creative stuff because we're both creatives. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a musician. Melissa is an actress and a writer, and she's, she's working on her second comic book right now uh, that she's about to release. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to do creatively to pursue these passion projects of ours. And if we don't dedicate that time, yeah. Uh, we don't get to it, yeah. uh, but we have to say to ourselves, okay, five o'clock comes hard stop at work and we're getting to work on our creative stuff. We're going to eat a quick bite of dinner yep. and then we're going to get right Six to, to it. 930 is our creative time tonight. And then, you know, tomorrow will be our veg out on the movie date night. You know, yeah. that, that's our date nights these days, couches in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you have to plan that out. You have to make that time or else like, like everybody has already said, the work-life balance won't happen and you'll get burnt out and you'll just be miserable. Yes. No, I, I think, I love to hear that you, um, you share that together and then you also have sort of that cut off and say like, this is the time period we're going to do that. And this is when we're going to be intentional about having date night, um, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome to hear from couples because you're, you're having the creative time, whether that's shared or together, but then you're also separating time for the relationship and, and right. having that space. Um, I think that's so important, especially when you're like a working adult with hobbies, with a job that is demanding, and mm -hmm. then you might have a home life as well. Well, I think the problem is that too many people let their relationships go on autopilot and they, they think that it'll just happen organically. Right. But a relationship yeah. is just like anything else. If you don't work at it, it's going to fail. Right. Like if you had a business and you just said, well, I'm just going to let it go and I'm sure it'll be fine. Your business <laughs> obviously isn't going to succeed. Why do you think that your relationship with another human being that has you know, so many things going on in their lives as well yeah. is just going to work out. You have to put you the work into it. You to have to put the it. energy into it just like anything else. And you have to learn each other every single day because every single day you change, right? So every day you have to learn about, Hey, what's going on in your mind today? Like, 
what, what, how, how have you changed? How have you grown? And if you're growing together and you're learning these things about each other every single day, you're definitely going to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Just like you in HR, I'm sure you have to learn uh, uh, your employees and what they like in, and what, you know, what they feel like they could change within the organization. And you take those things and some things you're like, mm, maybe that's not a great idea. And then some things you're like, yes, we, we can make this happen. <laughs> yeah. But if you never speak to the people that you're over yeah, and you just never assume know. <laughs> that it's going to be okay, it's going to fail. <laughs> Exactly. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think um, it's important to build relationships outside of just what you're doing mm -hmm. at the, in the workspace, right? And, um, you know, one of the, the things that I was really lucky to have with, with some of my colleagues was relationships that were cultivated on shared interests. So, um, you know, I do photography and painting on the side. That's kind of like my hobby. That those are interests that I I share with um, like minds. And and I found a lot of people within my organization that I could share that with, um, and and had at least two different colleagues that we would just kind of exchange photographs that we would take throughout our work week and cool things that we would see. And it helped us work better together. It helped us um, kind of come to the table with shared interests that helped us have conversations that weren't just about, well, let's talk about your employees and let's talk about our salary evaluations mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, um, performance development for so-and-so we got to actually be real people. Um, and so that was, that, that was kind of nice. Right. Be humans. Now I know that you have been spending a lot of time at work and you've been, you know, late nights and, and developing all of this change. Do you feel like it's been more difficult as a woman to have your voice heard? Um, or do you, do you feel like that, you know, just right now it's just so much work that you have to do that it's just, that's what it takes. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that, um, I don't know that there isn't a challenge in, in being a woman. I think there's always, um, there's always some challenge in a workspace specifically when you are a woman, but I think there's other differences that make it more challenging. And I think that's things like um, perceived age. Mm -hmm. I think being a woman of color impacts um, my voice. I think, um, you know, culture Mm -hmm. may impact my voice. Um, in my last role, I worked with a lot of people um, in, the, in the South, um, and I am obviously from the North, and our cultures are very, very different. Um, yes. Even perceived cultures are very yes. different. Yes. Um, I specifically worked with a lot of people in Alabama, and I think um, it was really interesting for me to be able to meet people who were on different sides of the political coin, as well as different cultural backgrounds and meeting in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, when you are in a workspace, the shared goals should be your focus, right? And I think that um, when you focus on those things, when you focus on things that you have that are similar or things that you share that are similar, it's easier to have a seat at the table and have your voice heard. Um, mm. It's no, it's never lost on me that that being a woman presents its own challenges. It's never lost on me that um, being 
a young woman of color impacts the way people might perceive me. I mean, both my parents were immigrants um, and I saw the challenges that they had at a very young age. And, um, you know, my, my father had a very thick accent, um, my mom a little bit. Uh, and I think that what you learn as you grow older and when you start interacting in different spaces is that um, you know how you're different because you've experienced different things throughout your life, right? Yes. But mm -hmm. if you use those differences to connect to people um, and to share uh, a perspective that, that helps bring light to certain things uh, that can enrich an environment or can um, help others' voices be heard, I think uh, you, 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 less, you focus less on how those differences separate you, but more so how those differences can help empower you and people like you. Oh man, I love right. that so much. Yes, it's, it's diversity. Yeah. It's at its finest because we have to grow together. We all bring something so unique to the table, all of us. And when you listen um, and, and not just, you know, listen, but let, fully listen to someone and what they're saying, you'll learn mm -hmm. so much and so much about them and so much about yourself just from learning about someone else. Yeah. And, and like you're saying with, with diversity comes different experiences, different levels of knowledge. Like I'm sure that you have so many things in your life that make you so much better for the things that you're doing than say the things that are in my life. And if I just come into a situation, I assume, oh, you're a woman, you're a woman of color. You, uh, for whatever reason, I think I'm better than you because I'm a, I'm a strong white man, mm -hmm. you know, like oh, that's, yeah. that's such an ignorant <laughs> mindset and something that I really got. I, I long for the day when all that's behind us. And yeah. I, I hope that someday our future will hold that when everybody is seen on an equal playing field and that yeah. we rise above this stupid idiot mentality that anybody is better than anybody. Right. We are all the same. And, We're all humans. Yeah. And literally like, so the way I look at things is we all came from the same start. We're all made of the same stuff. We are literally all the same. We share so much between ourselves there is nothing that is better about somebody. I don't care how many billions of dollars you, you have. You don't have the right to speak to me as if I'm not a human because I'm a person just like mm -hmm. the billionaire, just like anybody in this world. And people need to be treated that way. And actually, Mona, I have a really um, funny story from the beginning of my career. Um, I've always been in marketing. I went to school for marketing and I was the marketing director. I was about 20 years old and worked my way up through, through school. And I ended up having to fire um, one of my salesmen that was half, I mean, he was over half my age. And he basically came back to me and said, no, you're not firing me. You're too young to fire me. And I said, no, I'm sorry, but I am your boss and you are fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just funny that somebody comes back to someone and people look at you if you're young and you have a driven mentality. And, you know, I worked hard. I worked really hard, went to school full time, went, I worked full time on top of that and worked my way up in the company. And that was something I was very proud of. And people look at you and say, oh, you're too young. You don't know how to manage people. You know, mm -hmm. they don't give you the credit. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that it's like what you bring up is interesting because that was um, some of the challenges that I had um, in my last two roles because um, I, I've often been told in the workspace that I look young, which I, I find wildly inappropriate because it's right? like, first and foremost, I don't care what you think I look like. It's irrelevant to what yes. I bring to the table. Yes. As Secondly, is your age in general. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but, you know, quickly after I start speaking, I think that perception kind of gets thrown out the door because I've definitely had spaces where... Um, you know, I, I, I speak on a topic or I speak on um, a, 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 um, an area that I'm trying to advise someone on and, and, and something might come up, well, like, oh, well, how much experience have you had with that? Well, I, I feel like probably more than you, that's yeah. why I'm talking to you about this and, and advising you on how to go forward here. And I think um, the only way I've been able to combat that is really just be myself and continue with my convictions and where I'm, where I'm going and, and, and what I need to carry out. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's funny because in HR, one of the things that you learn is, is what's protected by law and what's not protected by law. And, and, you know, age discrimination is, is very clear and defined for people over a certain age. But when we talk about the way um, people may get devalued because they're younger or perceived as having less experience, mm. that's, that's, not as, that's not as set in stone, right? And that's mm -hmm. not something that's protected by law. And so I think when you get into a space and you are young in your career or you're perceived to look young physically, um, the the only uh, tool that you have really is is your knowledge. All right. you have is 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 the skill set that you bring and 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 how you execute. Um, because people are going to perceive whatever they want to perceive, right? Yep. I mean, they're gonna Absolutely. they're gonna think whatever they want to think. Um, you know, I, I think physical differences is, is is one of the quick like one of the you know quickest things we can assess about another human being. Um, it's one of the reasons why uh, I always wear long sleeves. I mean, I'm covered in tattoos. You would never know that, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I could never go into a boardroom and, and, and come in with two sleeves of tattoos and get the respect that I could get if I came in um, with a business suit or came in with long sleeves or came in um, dressed a certain way. And that's the ugliness about humans, right? Is yeah. that we judge. We judge um, and we have these perceived notions about what people must be like or who they mm -hmm. must be based yeah. on what they look like. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's one of my excited, like one of the most exciting things to me about HR is being able to help people uh, navigate through unconscious bias and, and to put away those ideas um, and think larger, you know, yes. and think even about how those differences can help bring um, new ideas to organizations, how they can um, help elevate debates, you know? Exactly. Um, I was actually reading an article about a 13-year-old, 13, who was graduating, like going into college or graduating college, and she was like 13 years old. There are brilliant minds out there. And, I, you know, I just feel like that people will look at her when, say, she's 18 or 19, she's out in the workplace, and they're going to be like, what can you bring to the table? And she's like, hello, I graduated college when I was 13. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And I really want to get out of that mindset. I want all of us to get out of that mindset. Um, I actually saw another article where someone was in a board meeting with tattoo sleeves, speaking of that. And, you know, it was out there and open. And I feel like that you should be whoever you are and whoever that is, you should be able to walk into a room. People respect you. Don't look at you anyway until you talk, until you speak. And then, you know, maybe you do come off as an idiot and they're like, okay. <laughs> then you can be judged. Yeah. Let them judge us then by our words, not by our tattoos. <laughs> but until then... All of that does not matter. <laughs> yeah, I just saw where the first uh, news anchor with facial tattoos uh, finally made it on the air. It was, yes. it was really cool. Like, yeah. It, she, wow. she had like some uh, cultural style tattoos on her mm -hmm. neck and uh, chin, and uh, she actually got a job as a, as a, news, as anchor. a news anchor. So yeah. that's, uh, it's good to see that there are strides being made. We just have so far to go as a society. Yes. Yep. Oh, I would agree. Um, so uh, talking about different strides that are being made, uh, Melissa and I are kind of, um, we, we are highly interested in science. I wouldn't say that we have scientific minds per se, cause we're very artistic, uh, but it, it fascinates the heck out of us. We're we are, learning. We're into space and <laughs> the earth and, you know, all, all the different things that are that are being created and and we like to stay on top of that kind of stuff what's happening in our world and in in our universe and everything like that and you had mentioned in your bio that you're passionate about de developing knowledge through science and exploration can you elaborate on that a little bit sure sure um you know i've been very fortunate to be in spaces where science has always been at the forefront of uh the work for the organizations that I've worked for, right? So um, I started my career with the World Wildlife Fund. It's all about exploration. It's all about science, um, conservation, animal rights. And, um, you know, I'm coming from the aerospace and defense industry where we've worked a lot with NASA um, and, and just studied how space impacts uh, the decisions that businesses make when they decision or how they innovate. Um, and, and that space is really interesting for me because I, I am really uh, driven by knowledge, really driven by um, science, and I am a huge proponent of exploration because I think it keeps us guessing, it keeps us learning. Um, and the way I say that I'm interested in supporting spaces that are focused on science and exploration is that I want to continue to participate in spaces that push uh, push the needle forward and they help people explore. They help uh, great minds with the tools um, and the resources that they need to continue exploring so that more knowledge is brought to the table. Um, and whether that be the way we operate in business to reduce waste so that we are not um, destroying our natural resources mm -hmm. and we're able to conduct business in um, a more thoughtful way, um, in a more or less wasteful way. I, I think those are things that really interest me. Uh, supporting scientists who are breaking through with innovations in the way things are done, whether that be through technology or through uh, helping us exist in spaces together where this pandemic doesn't have to happen again um, mm -hmm. and that we can continue on. I think I'd be interested to see how we support people in spaces that allow them to creatively find solutions to uh, 
some of the bigger problems that are facing society today. Uh, and I could go on and on about what those <laughs> issues are, but I think um, all of us know that the issues. You know, at, the, at the present, <laughs> yeah, at the present time, it would be really, really nice to understand how to stop this disease from spreading mm -hmm. and mutating. I would right. love to understand that because I can't tell you how um, troublesome it is to me to wonder if by spring and by summer and by fall, there'll be five, six more variants that are going to present um, new barriers for business. It's not just about uh, supporting these people in the work that they do so that you know all these breakthrough innovations can come to the forefront, but really it's so that we can keep living. Uh, if we don't support these spaces, businesses like restaurants, uh, the corner store, they're not going to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, right. they're not going to survive in this world where a disease like this continues to touch people and kill people um, and create barriers in how we connect with each other. So um, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of supporting industries, companies, and people who are trying to um, connect people and bring knowledge to the forefront. Oh, yes, Mona. Now, everything that you have answered and talked about and said today has just been beautiful. You are yes. such an amazing human and doing so much for the world. Um, and I commend you for just going at it and making change and making a difference. So here at Reimagine Success, we just want to applaud you for doing everything that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And, it was wonderful to get to talk to you all. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking on that, we always ask our guests, what success stories have you had recently that you would like to share with us and the world? Sure. Um, I would like to, you know, kind of bring it back to reimagining success, right? And talking yes. about mm -hmm. all the different things that we've um, touched upon today and say that uh, as a person who has participated in the Great Resignation as of a month ago, <laughs> um, I would tell people um, to continue to, to strive to do works for you and, um, you know, not to compromise, you know, what, um, what your own goals are. So something that has been big for me is saying that um, even if I've achieved my goals, you know, it was, a, it was a huge thing for me to become part of HR leadership. When I went back to school, that's, that, that's what I said I wanted to do. I said, I want to be a strategic partner. That's, that's where I want to be. I want to go into uh, the space and, and help business develop. I want um, to be that person that helps with employee engagement and learning. And, um, I achieved that really fast mm -hmm. out of school. Um, and I got a role in HR leadership and I was very lucky to be able to do um, a lot of things that were interesting and, and fun and helped me grow. Um, and, and I thought it was enough because it was the role I wanted, right? Um, but it wasn't necessarily with a culture or um, a, a, a um, a company that that really fell in line with my passion, right? I really um, thought I was, I, I was just not um, happy in the space that I was. And so, you know, I, I, I set myself up to be able to leave my role at the end of last year. And I promised myself that I would take like a sabbatical. And I said, you know, don't take another job unless it is with a company and an organization that you support 100%. Mm -hmm. Don't don't take a role unless you are so behind what that company does that you can go in every day and be a champion for their goals that you I can, that. you can, 
love what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. I, I've spent the last six weeks saying to myself, like, I'm going to go for the job I want. I'm going to go for a company that I want to support. So not just necessarily a title. Um, I didn't need something to match exactly what I had. Um, and I had to remind myself that. So I turned down um, some opportunities. I, I held out. Um, and next week I will be starting with an organization that has been inspiring me and influencing me since I was a child. Um, I, I, they're an inspiration for me in my art, my photography. Uh, I've, I've been able to see the world through their lenses. Um, and, and I know it's because I said to myself, don't just go with the highest bidder. Don't just go with a company that's going to um, give you a fancy title, go with a company that you love. Like you mm. actually have to love what they're doing. Yep. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think that's a great success to me because oh, yeah. um, I, I think a lot of people won't do that. Right. They'll say to themselves, like, I just have to have something. Um, and I forced myself not to do that. Oh, so. it yeah. gives me chills. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, sp- specifically not saying what organization is because you haven't started yet uh but mona has told us where she's going to be starting and we can't be more excited for you it is such such an honor to get to work for that organization like it's mind-boggling like i i was telling melissa like i wish i could get into one of these organizations that are just you know inspiring like you said the one that you could really get behind and you know mona that goes back to not settling right Mm -hmm everything in life, we should not have to settle. You should never have to settle. We should get everything that we want in life. And when we get out of that mentality of not settling, not settling on a relationship, not settling on a job, you know, not settling on a location, just not settling. We will get everything we want out of life and it's manifesting, right? You said you, you earlier, you said, I am going to go to college. I, this is the position I want to get into. This is what I want to do. And I feel like a lot of people go to college and they're like, Oh, I'm just going to go get a degree in business management. But what do you want to do? I don't know yet. Well, then you know what? You're not going to, you're not going to get a job in business management. You don't know what you want to do. Right. You know, so you are an inspiration to those that are like, Hey, you know, you can wait a little while, you know, before you realize what you want to do. And then once you know what you want to do, don't settle, go get it. Absolutely. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for inspiring our listeners. Um, is there somewhere that they can reach out to you? Uh, any kind of social media platforms that you want LinkedIn. to give you your LinkedIn? You say you're a photographer and artist. Maybe you want to share some of your art uh, with the world. We'd love to feature that. Sure, sure. Um, to connect with me best, um, obviously, I can be found on LinkedIn under um, Mona McGahead. So just my name. And then um, if listeners can wait just a little while. I am trying to release uh, a website in spring, um, early summer at the latest, and it's going to be under Momega Gallery. So it's going to feature my photography. Um, I can also be found on Instagram under Mona is me. And so you can see some of my photos and some of um, the travels that I've had around the world and the photos that I've taken on those travels. Um, But yeah, I can be found online in those spaces. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Mona, you are such an inspiration. Thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your insight and giving us just all this knowledge that 
we didn't have before this. So you're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we'll definitely have to <laughs> have you, you back once you get established into your new position. And uh, oh you, yeah, you know, we you, have to talk about it. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, get get a follow up with you down the line. <laughs> I would love to share. I'd love to spend time with you both again. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank All right. You, talk to you soon. Thank you. That was such a good interview. Um, Mona just really shines a light on a lot of issues that people are facing in the workplace and things that need change desperately. Oh, yeah. I know for all of our listeners out there, you can change your life at any moment. At any moment, if you are settling, just keep this in mind. Don't settle. (laughs) Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Because you are worth so much more than settling for something. And and it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a relationship, if it's a job, um, you know, don't settle. You are worth so much more. And we want to celebrate you and all of your successes every single week. So we love to hear your comments. We love to hear your passions. We love to hear your success stories. So share it with us anytime you guys feel free. Um, we're always available, reimagine success pod at gmail.com. And this has been a creative global entertainment production. Did you get motivated? Do you feel inspired? Don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses anymore. And don't forget to celebrate your successes every single day. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Follow us at Facebook and Instagram at Reimagine Success Pod. Email us at reimaginesuccesspod at gmail.com and let us know what your successes are. New episodes every Thursday at reimaginesuccesspod.com. So let's change our mindsets and reimagine success.